E-Tidings Cosmos Good morning, 21st Century World of Worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Tho Mila Falcha Rothensha I am your host, Richard McSweeney, a self-designated lyrical Irish philosopher of the natural kind. Hear this, listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. We're sitting here in a very warm, worn carriage of the sun. Hearing I am, and myself of myself unto myself, temptingly say. You know, you know, perhaps you have been toiling away in vain at writing and being ever so generous with casting your leavened words upon the wavy airs and the surfing waters. Perhaps exhausting yourself alone you have been. And all for what, it may be asked. Maybe all for nothing at all, it may be said. When you could just as well be doing something easier and more tangibly rewarding, allowing you to have a whole lot more leisure time. What are you saying? For far from it, for far from it, for all the while my work is ever with me, alive, fresh and loving. My reward for it being, my joy at knowing I am privileged, to be there nightly hearing words from beyond this beautiful orb, to be able to write them and them speak. Perhaps, perhaps you are but hearing yourself alone speak, as we here now do speak. You may say so, it to be, and even think it so to be if you wish. Nothing at all out of place is it for you to be, wishing away frequently. And the sage in the digital age speaks of the philosopher of old, saying, In broad daylight and of a summer's day, in my twenty-fifth year, and with a soft, gentle breeze blowing, I came, he said, upon what appeared to be a brightly burning wooden torch out in the middle of nowhere, which was vertically hovering in tall grass. And I wondered what it might be doing there. Having moved a bit closer, yet not right up close to it, I estimated its diameter to be no more than one thumb to little finger. It stood over twice my height, my height being over two strides. And as I was standing watching it, didn't it of an instant seamlessly transform itself into like unto a beautiful golden leaf, measuring some twenty strides in length to four to five in width? At first it slowly and silently floated as if on the breeze over my head before rapidly and silently heading away off into the sky and then disappearing entirely from out of my view. Even to this day, I have no idea what it was, but it was something surely, and most assuredly, see it I did. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading from As You Like It, Tao Dai Jing, and the true classic of Southern Taoist Fragrance. 
This is a reading in continuity from As You Like It. Come apace, good Audrey. I will fetch up your goats, Audrey. And how, Audrey, am I the man yet that my simple feature content you? Your features, Lord warrant us. What features? I am here with thee and thy goats, as the most capricious poet honest Ovid was among the gods. O oh, knowledge ill inhabited, worse than Jove in a thatched house. When a man's verses cannot be understood, nor a man's good wit seconded with the forward child understanding, it strikes a man more dead than a great reckoning in a little room. Truly I would the gods had made thee poetical. I do not know what poetical is. Is it honest indeed and worthy? Is it a true thing? No, truly, for the truest poetry is the most feigning, and lovers are given it to poetry, and what they swear in poetry may be said as lovers they do feign. Do you wish, then, that the gods had made me poetical? I do, truly, for thou swearest to me thou art honest. Now, if thou wert a poet, I might have some hope thou didst feign. Would you not have me honest? No, truly, unless thou wert hard favoured, for honesty coupled to beauty is to have honey as sauce to sugar. A material fool. Well, I am not fair, and therefore I pray the gods make me honest. Truly, and to cast away honesty upon a foul slut were to put good meat into an unclean dish. I am not a slut, though I thank the gods I am foul. Well, praise be the gods for thy foulness, sluttishness may come hereafter. But be it as it may be, I will marry thee. And to that end I have been with Sir Oliver Martex, the vicar of the next village, who had promised to meet me in this place of the forest and to couple us. I would fain see this meeting. Well, the gods give us joy. Amen. A man may, if he were of a fearful heart, stagger in this attempt. For, for, for here we have no temple for the wood, no assembly but horned beasts. But what though, courage? As horns are odious, they are necessary. It is said many a man knows no end of his goods, right? Many a man has good horns, and knows no end of them. Well, that is the dowry of his wife. Tis none of his own getting. Horns? Even so. Poor men alone? No, no. The noblest deer had them as huge as the rascal. Is the single man therefore blessed? No. As a walled town is more worthier than a village, so is the forehead of a married man more honourable than the bare brow of a bachelor. And by how much defence is better than no skill? By so much is a horn more precious than to want. Here comes Sir Oliver. Thou Thy Jing, Installment 34 The great Tao flows everywhere. There is no discrimination in what is the right and what is the left. All existence lives up to it, and it denies no one. It doesn't claim credit, though there is achievement. It loves and nourishes all existence, but does not lord over them. It appears ambitionless, and is regarded as less important. All existence returns to it, and it doesn't dominate them. Certainly this is great. This is the reason that the sage never regards himself as great, 
Thus he deserves to be titled as great. This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. No three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate of error, what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? There have been at times on the island very unnatural, very restrictive, very manipulative ways of thinking prevalent. One such comes from way back in days of old, when it was thought that the male ruler proceeds, and the ministers, being all male, follow. The grandfather proceeds, and his sons follow, who in turns as fathers themselves proceed, and their sons follow. The elder brothers proceed, and the younger brothers follow. The seniors proceed, and the juniors follow. The male proceeds, and the female follows. The husband proceeds, and the wife follows. And so, too, an alternative version of this was at times fully at work, in that the female ruler proceeds, and the ministers, being all female, follow. The grandmother proceeds, and her daughters follow, who in turn, as mothers themselves, proceed, and their daughters follow. The elder sisters proceed, and the younger sisters follow. The seniors proceed, and the juniors follow. The female proceeds, and the male follows. The wife proceeds, and the husband follows. And when it came to the directional regions of the island, the north proceeded over the south, the east over the west. The palace proceeded over the village, the village over the sages' hermitage. Delighted they did, it was said, in having such an ordering of their various relationships, for everyone knew exactly where they stood, and what their responsibilities were, and what would happen to them if they were to ignore or violate them in any way. They were of the belief that originating belonged to those in the higher position, details of work to those who are in the lower. The compendious decision belongs to the senior, the minutiae of its deliverance to the juniors. The precedence of the more honourable and sequence of the meaner is seen, they believed, in the relative action of the sky and the land, and hence they took them as their primary pattern. The more honourable position of the sky and the lower one of the land are equivalent, they believed, to a designation of their seeming intelligent qualities. The precedence of spring and summer and the sequence of autumn and winter mark the order of the four seasons. In the transformations and growth of all things, every blossom and feature they believed has its proper form, and in this their gradual maturing and decay, the constant flow of transformation and change. Thus, since the sky and the land, which being the most intelligent, are distinguished as more honourable and less, and by precedence and sequence, how much more then, they thought, must they look for this in the ways of the human world. These were times when the voices of the true sages were not being listened to.
In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when but living in your own realm and time, you will new evilly come new dawnly, with gratitude and joy, declare to yourself your truth and faithfulness. All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought too for peoples living in faraway places in all different kinds of situations, often very difficult and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to an Irish philosopher of the natural kind bringing radio to the Internet via Radio Richard Island, on the air globally for about 15 minutes, Monday to Friday. The script format of today's broadcast will be available at a future date on AuthenticClosetDramaScripts.com. It is truly an honor to have your listening. It is more than a voice in your ear. There is power in listening. More than a phrase in your eye, Insight there is in reading. Enjoy both, and please do spread the word. Thank you ever so much, Richard. May you be a blessing unto yourself, by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Slán, August Benacht,